Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. We've got a great speaker today. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, everyone. Leading yourself exceptionally well, or if you're married, leading yourselves, plural, exceptionally well, um, I think are the right words. Um, in today's society, everything moves at such a pace that it's hard to keep up with. It's hard to look after ourselves, look after our health, look after our time management. But in order to give our best to our responsibilities, in order to give our best to our commitments, we need to lead ourselves well. We need to look after ourselves in order to give your best to your family, to your friends, and to most of all, Christ. We need to look after ourselves, lead ourselves exceptionally well. Just before I jump into it, just let me pray as we get started. Lord, I thank you so much that you love us, that you are for us, that you want us to live a life to the full, and that you want us to be healthy and well, that whatever we put our hands to, we would be productive, we would be fruitful and effective. Lord, bless us with wisdom and guidance this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Aaron. Uh, And as some of you may know, I spent a year ago, a few years ago, a year, uh, down in England at a Bible college. There we studied theology, building church, um, our own relationships with God, and leadership. One of the things we went through was John Maxwell's book, 360 Degree Leadership, and he says, wait one second, here we go, PowerPoint. Great, there we go. He says, learn to lead yourself before you lead others. The keys to leading yourself well are self-management and self-discipline. John Maxwell lists the following areas in which you must manage yourself. So manage your time, your priorities, your energy, manage your thinking, your words, your emotions, and your personal life. Now we can all see the benefits to managing these seven areas. We can see that it's, it's our time, so nobody's gonna come in and manage our time for us, it's our responsibility. It's our energy, it's our responsibility. It's your thinking, so it's your responsibility. It's my priorities, so it's my responsibility. You can see what I mean. Uh, now, when I was speaking to Aaron recently, talking about a lot of this stuff that I'd been growing in, he just loved it, and he wanted me to share it with you guys this morning, because it's a topic that we don't often talk about in church, um, about leading ourselves well, about looking after ourselves, some practical things in this message as well. Um, but out of these seven things, we don't have time today to run through them all, and I think if we did, we'd be rushing. Uh, I think we could talk for ages on these seven things. Um, going to focus mainly on stuff like time, priorities, and our energy levels for our health uh, from a biblical point of view. So things like thinking, words, emotions, they maybe come up more often in week-to-week sermons, Um, but if you're interested in developing further your kind of management of your thinking, your emotions, I've put um, six books up there, five of which I've read, really good books uh, that involve managing and learning about leading yourself well regarding thinking, emotions, um, your personal life. So we've got Switch On Your Brain, really good book about uh, how you think and how your thinking affects your mental health, your physical health, and how positive thinking um, affects that and leads yourself well. Then we've got Supernatural Ways of Royalty, really good book, love it. All about understanding who we are as children of God. Uh, understanding that we're not just from a background of poverty, but actually as children of God, we are royalty in his kingdom, um, really changes the 
perspective that you see yourself in and how you manage your emotions. Celebration of discipline, all about how we manage our spiritual disciplines to lead ourselves well with our prayer, reading God's word, um, experiencing the Father's embrace. Um, it's all about not just chasing after God's hand of provision, but actually chasing after his face and understanding how much he loves us, capturing that in our heart. Um, building a better life, all about how we can uh, prioritize each area of our life around Jesus and how that blesses each area. Um, and I Declare War, the one that has come out in October by Levi Lusco, great author, really excited about this book. Uh, great topic, it's all about how in society, stuff like anxiety, depression, fear, stress, how we as Christians can combat that in our own minds, how we can stand on the word of God and take captive of our thoughts. Really excited about that. So the reason I share those books with you is just so that for anything that I don't touch on today that you are interested in, these are some places to start. There's another book that I haven't mentioned up there called The Bible, if you've not heard about it. Really good. And they all reference it, so it must be good. You can find it on Amazon or in your nearest hotel drawer. Okay. Um, but the purpose of this morning is to equip you, is to talk about something we maybe don't usually, which is leading yourself well. So if after this morning there's some new perspectives that you've gained, great. Um, I'm not one of these people to look at myself in the mirror before I go out on the day and say, you're beautiful, you're going to accomplish great things today. Uh, I mean, I know it, but I don't say it to myself. Um, but there are two things that I do say to myself, and it comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And the Amplified Version says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity or cowardness, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal disciplined abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. You see, this morning I want to equip you guys so that you understand as Christians we're capable. We are equipped by God to manage ourselves well, to lead ourselves well, so that whatever we do put our hands to, we can do it productively, fruitfully, and effectively. So just know that you're equipped, that you're capable as children of God to apply self-discipline, to apply a well-balanced mind through sound judgment. Uh, I want to share a story with you just now as we move on about a lumberjack. Uh, so this lumberjack, he was trying to cut down a tree, complaining as he lumbered in vain. What's the problem, my man in passing asked. My saw is blunt and won't cut the tree properly, the lumberjack responded. Why don't you just sharpen it? Because then I would have to stop sawing, said the lumberjack. But if you sharpen your saw, you could cut more efficiently and effectively than before. But I don't have the time to stop, the lumberjack retorted, getting more frustrated. The man shook his head and kept on walking, leaving the lumberjack to his pointless frustration. You see, we get frustrated by life and our inability to cope. But instead of developing ourselves, and taking the time to become more effective, we keep struggling with a blunt saw. Don't do it anymore. Stop, sharpen the saw, and become more effective. You see, sometimes life happens. Life gets busy, society moves at a pace that we just struggle to keep up with, and uh, we maybe get stressed out or even burnt out. The definition of burnt out is to ruin one's health or become completely exhausted through overwork. Just think to yourself, have you ever been burnt out? Have you ever been so exhausted that you have to take a day off work? Or just because you haven't been able to keep up with the pace of everybody else, or keep up with the, the pace of the work demand? But it says in Ecclesiastes 
10, verse 10. Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. You see, what's, uh, what Ecclesiastes is telling us here is to work smart, not hard. Instead of trying to keep up with the pace of society, sometimes we need to maybe take a step back. We need to sharpen our axe. Maybe we need to abide in Christ. We need to rest so that whatever we do put our hands to when we work, whether that's in the church and God's kingdom, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's academically, when you do come to do that, it's more effective, it's more productive, and it's more fruitful. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You see, God has great value over us. God loves us. God has placed so much value over us. We are vessels of his Holy Spirit. We are his bearing light. And so we need to look after ourselves. We need to look after the flesh that he's given us. We need to look after our our mind, our emotions. We need to look after ourselves so that when we do come to bear Christ's light to our neighbors that we love on, we're doing it well. We're doing it with the best intentions. And in doing so, we need to sharpen our acts so that we can be there for our families. We can love on our neighbors the best we can. We need to sharpen our acts so that with our responsibilities, with our capabilities, and with our commitments, we're given our best. And uh, So you might be wondering what that looks like. Well, in uh, Randy Frazee's, I don't know how to pronounce his name, to be honest. We were talking about this earlier. I said I'd just wing it. Um, Randy Frazee, 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 yeah. yeah. In his book, Making Room for Life, he says, God desires that our lives bear fruit. We must live in the rhythm of life God intended for us in order to be productive. We need to learn to start from a place of resting and abiding in God and move toward fruitful productivity and return to rest and abide. You can see here in his diagram, the rhythm of life pendulum, so just like a pendulum works, starts up at the left on rest and uh, swings into work and fruitfulness. So you start and rest, you abide in Christ, you prepare yourself for whatever's ahead, whatever you're putting your hands to. You swing into work, you're fruitful for God's kingdom, you're fruitful and productive, in the workplace, and you swing back and forth between rest. And that's how a pendulum works. Uh, I like to call it the work-rest ratio. That's what I like to call it. Uh, and as I always say, who better to look to in the Bible for examples of this than Jesus? The, the one that we're told to model, that we're to learn to mature and become like more and more each day. Uh, I've got a few verses here that, um, of Jesus in the Bible. In times that he rests, after completing miracles, after uh, being productive with his disciples. Uh, it says in Matthew, sorry, Mark chapter 6, verse 31 to 32, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So you can see even Jesus needs to rest with his disciples. Even Jesus can't keep up with the pace of work, work, work. He needs to rest. He models that for us. And in Matthew chapter 14, just after Jesus has fed the 5,000, an amazing miracle has just happened. And does Jesus let the adrenaline pump in, just keep moving on to another miracle and another miracle? No, he, he rests. 
In verse 23, he says, after Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was still there alone. And even God needed to rest after he made the world. In Genesis 2, verse 2, it says, on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. Now, I've had a little bit of fun with uh, my work-rest-ratio pendulum. I've made my own. Uh, you can see my PowerPoint skills aren't quite as uh, maybe on point as what they used to be when I was younger. It's been a few years since I've used PowerPoint program. Um, but So we've got the pendulum. At the top, I've made, put in the danger zone. So you can see in the red, we've got danger zone. So too much rest, or if you stay in rest too long, you lose your momentum and you can become what's called lazy. Um, we've all been there, it's okay. Uh, and then too much work, or for, I've put long hours up there because for me, that's what does it for me. Long hours will make me burn out, it'll make me um, become exhausted. So we can see the danger zones there. And then I've put on the left side on rest what kind of things we can do to sharpen our axe, what kind of things we can do to lead ourselves well for our energy levels. So I've got exercise in the middle to begin with. Um, chill, sleep, and daily bread. Exercise I've put in the middle because, yes, it, co um, it takes physical work and effort to exercise, to be active, but mentally it gives you rest, and in the long run, physically, it does bring you good health and rest. Um, so we'll start with exercise. Um, as many of you know, I've been working as a personal trainer for the last six months. Now, the qualifications that took me to get to that job role um, gave me such an appreciation for the anatomy of the human body and how God designed us and made us. You see, our joints are made to move and uh, our muscles are made to contract. Um, and when, so when we don't move our joints, they become stiff. And when we don't contract our muscles, they become weak. Um, and the NHS website says it's medically proven medically proven it's medically proven that people who do regular physical activity have lower risk of heart disease and stroke lower risk of type 2 diabetes of cancers of early death and many more hip fracture falls depression dementia improves posture prevents injuries now a lot of these are the long-term benefits but there's a lot of immediate benefits as well uh, mentally you produce um, endorphins uh, hormones that um, really are good at fighting stuff like depression uh, when you're up and moving. So it's good to be active. We can see the, the NHS website also says, to stay healthy, adults should try to be active every day and aim to achieve at least 150 minutes of physical activity over a week through a variety of activities. Um, so we can see that it's good to be active. It's good to look after our bodies, to be healthy, to be well, um, so that when we do especially in the long run we can be effective we can be productive number two chill as I like to call it time to chill rest have fun socialize laugh in the Bible we see Jesus socializing breaking bread um, with the disciples he used to love to eat with them socialize have fun uh, the great thing about chilling and resting is it can involve hobbies so if you have a hobby that you like to retreat with um, from a busy day great the only thing about chilling is don't stay there for too long as you can see with the laziness 
Who's ever had such a busy week that they decide, you know what, this Saturday I'm just going to lay in my pyjamas all day, eat loads of junk food, watch TV, it'll be great. And it is. It is going to be great. Until you get to the evening and you feel so exhausted, you feel so lethargic, you're like, oh, this was a huge mistake. Because you've rested and it's good, but you've lost that momentum and your body's now exhausted from being lazy. So chill, have fun, socialize, laugh, have a hobby, but just... Don't chill too long. Sleep. Um, I find it crazy that in our society today, uh, there's this notion that whoever can survive off the least amount of sleep is the strongest. I'm like, I just love my bed too much, you know? I'm not, I'm not one of those people. Um, I, a few months ago, um, as my mum will be able to tell you, went through this period where I was just staying up too late due to work and getting up really early and my body was really struggling um, mentally like I just wasn't I was forgetting things all the time and I just uh, my attitude was going back to that of a teenager it was just I was just really annoyed at myself and it was an answer to prayer when someone directed me to neurologist Matthew Walker and in his book why we sleep he says both more than 16 hours awake or less than seven hours of sleep show measurable signs of sleep deprivation, including increased chances of a heart attack, increased production of cancer cells, decrease in production of hormones, delayed reactions, inability to create new memories, which is one I noticed a lot, and poor metabolic, metabolic rate. There's a lot more to these, um, but the interesting thing about these compared to the, one, the statistics of exercise is that these are the immediate effects. So you could have great sleep every night and then one night of really bad sleep and these are the effects. Um, so we can see that sleep is necessary, it's good for us. What I find crazy is that it shows that we need a recommended amount of sleep of just over eight hours, and there, when we go past 16 hours of being awake, that's when we show signs of needing more sleep. Now, 16 add eight is 24. Now, God knew what he was doing when he made day and night. God knew what he was doing when he made our bodies. That, to me, is just too good to be a coincidence you know God knows what he's doing when we need sleep so if you need to sleep and you feel bad for it don't worry about it sleep is a good thing now so we've got exercise we've got chill we've got sleep but as I move on to my last point there's one thing that if you take away from this message take away this especially if you're a young parent that I have to emphasize is that if you're not able to get the right amount of sleep maybe if you've got young kids and you're maybe more tired than what you used to be. If you're, for some reason, not able to get the recommended amount of physical activity, don't worry about it. Honestly, don't worry about it. Because, you see, God gave us this thing that replaces that, and it's called grace. You see, when we're in a season of life, that means we're not maybe able to get the recommended amount of sleep. So maybe you've got new kids, um, young kids, or maybe, for some reason, you're not able to get the recommended amount of activity. Don't worry about it. There's seasons for everything, and God's grace covers all. You see, God's grace is the stre- what gives us strength even when sleep can't give us strength. God's grace gives us, gives us strength whenever physical activity can't, whenever resting and watching TV can't give us the energy we need. Uh, I'm sure that God, um, if you're in a season right now where you're raising young kids um, and you're lacking sleep, God's grace is over that. Um, I'm sure he's going to bless you for the season you're in of investing in what is going to be a young man and woman of God 
because you're sacrificing sleep. God's grace is above all that. My last point is uh, daily bread. Talking about, um, talking about God's grace. The man himself, time for Jesus, time for God, it is the best thing we can do to sharpen our axe. It is the best thing we can do to retreat, to rest. It says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, give us this, our daily bread. Now here in the Bible, Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's teaching them how to pray. And so he teaches us that to pray, we need to ask for our daily bread. We need to ask for um, that daily spiritual feeding. Uh, How many of us know that from the day we gave our lives to Christ, the day that we received salvation till now, if we had never prayed, if we'd never read the Bible, if we'd never been involved in worship by ourselves or congregational worship, we wouldn't be growing as Christians. To grow and to mature and to become more like Christ, we need to feed our spirits daily. We need to chew on our daily bread. Uh, R.C. Sproul says, God has already met our greatest spiritual need, that of forgiveness and restoration through Christ. But he does not stop there. Jesus calls himself the bread of life. In him was, and that, sorry, in him was, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus says he came to bring us abundant life, Not only are we saved for eternity, but we also experience a restored relationship with God now. And listen to this. We seek him daily, and he renews us day by day. The branch is continually nourished by the vine. I love that wee bit just because this is the vine church, uh, named after our God who is the vine, and we are the branch. We are continually nourished by him. You see, when we retreat and we do sharpen our axe we are equipping ourselves to be more capable to be more effective and fruitful with whatever we put our hands to so whether that looks like a time of solitude reading your word by yourself god's word the truth um praying getting into some worship or whether that's in fellowship at life group or at church praising god and worship listening to the sermon and uh, as i round up just a few points on application so like this is all Good to know, good to know God's grace, good to know that the encouragement of that we need his daily bread, that we need to continually retreat to sharpen our axe, to equip ourselves spiritually so that we can be more effective. How we apply that, I'm going to go through quickly disciplines and habits and what is wisdom. And Build a Better Life, one of the books I mentioned earlier by Brian Schaefer, he says, wisdom is where knowledge and love combine. And power is simply operating in Christ's authority with his resources. You see, so wisdom is where knowledge and love combine. You see, we take the fact that God loves us, that he wants us to be healthy, he wants us to be well. And we combine that with the fact and the science and the knowledge that we need sleep, that it's good to exercise, that it's really important to get our daily bread. When you combine that and you apply it, you get wisdom. The wisdom is talked about in the Bible. It talks about how when we step into God's wisdom, we're equipping ourselves, we're favored, we're blessed, and we step into his power. You see, by applying wisdom, by applying this knowledge and the fact that God loves us, we're operating in Christ's authority with his resources by making ourselves available through daily bread, through daily feeding spiritually, 
we're making ourselves available to his resources, to understanding his truth, his word, so that when we do step out from our doorstep, we're in his authority, we're equipped, we're capable, like it says in 2 Timothy 1.7. A few things, just on disciplines, what it might look like to try and apply some of these things. Uh, I've got up here a normal week. So this is a normal week from seven till midnight. Maybe you get up at six, I don't know. But this is, this is, this is, this is we'll call him Bob. This is Bob's week. Um, so just rounding up a few disciplines. So we've got Bob's nine till five job. So this is Bob's week. We're gonna put in place his, the things that he does every week, the commitments he has every week that take up his time. And then we're gonna work around that. So as well as, as his nine to five job, we've got church, so he's there from 10, so maybe he's serving on the host team. He's there till two, so maybe he's quite sociable. He likes to hear how everybody's week's been. Uh, and then on Tuesday night, he's uh, maybe at life group. So two and a half hours at life group. And then the next, um, yeah, other commitments. Thursday night, he's got a commitment. Let's say that's maybe date night with his wife, always very important. And um, so th- those are his commitments. And th- you can see the time he's got around of his commitments to work with. And uh, so then he decides, okay, I want to start applying what can help me sharpen my axe, what can help me lead myself well, can help me be more energized for everything. And uh, so he decides, okay, I want to start with a discipline to be more active. So maybe him and his wife look at what free time they have that sync up and they decide, okay, Monday and Friday, we've got time. Maybe they get a gym membership. It doesn't have to look like that. Maybe they um, join a tennis club. Maybe they get a dog to, to walk. Uh, so he leaves time so in case his work runs on, but he's got two hours, plenty of time to go there, involve in activity, and then shower afterwards, go home. So that's his discipline for activity. That's the discipline he's putting in place. Next, he's got his boundaries for sleep. So he wants to be better again, the eight hours of sleep recommended. Again, if you're not in that season of life, grace covers you. Um, so he wants to go to bed at 11, knowing he gets up at seven. That gives him his eight hours sleep. But how many of us know that as soon as we put our head to the pillow, we don't fall asleep straight away? So maybe from half 10, he puts a habit in place to start winding down, maybe put on a worship song, um, maybe whatever that looks like for him. Start to wind down. Next, we've got his daily bread. Maybe he's got teenagers, so maybe he knows the teenagers get up at half seven. So he's got half an hour to involve himself in the word of God, to maybe put on a worship song, get his daily bread ready for the day, equipping himself, sharpening the axe so he's ready to go. And he knows that he's not gonna read his Bible unless he does it first thing in the morning because the day just gets away from him. Um, So he's got daily bread, that's his next discipline. And then lastly, so that he's got time to chill, time to invest in hobbies and time to spend time with families. Um, he's putting all that shaded area as his boundaries for where he's not gonna go on social media, not check emails because he's maybe bad for going on social media and checking emails way too much. So that's his boundary. Those times I'm not gonna do that because then that makes me more available for my family or that makes me more available for my hobbies. Um, and so that's Bob's week. And uh, what I wanna ask you is what disciplines are you gonna put in place so that you can sharpen your ax? What disciplines are you going to put in place so you can sharpen your axe? And if the band want to come back up, we'll just touch on habits. So you can see that Bob's got his discipline for exercise, his discipline for getting his sleep right, discipline for, most importantly, 
his daily bread, um, but habits, the definition of a habit is a routine of behavior that is repeated regularly and tends to occur subconsciously. Now, the next thing I want to ask you is what habits are you going to put in place so that you can reach your discipline? So what disciplines are you going to put in place so you can sharpen your axe? And what habits are you going to put in place so you can reach your discipline? You see, if a habit occurs subconsciously, we can all think of good and bad habits that we all have, or maybe your spouse has. Um, but what hab- if they happen subconsciously, you're not having to put any effort in to reach your discipline. Like, you just always get your discipline become subconscious. Um, a few examples for me. Test, there we go. Uh, for me, I like to keep hydrated. I think one of the my... Sorry about that. Thanks, Aaron. So one of my disciplines is to keep hydrated because it keeps you healthy, keeps you well. So my habit is in the evening before bed, I always take a glass of water to my bedside table. So that way when I wake up in the morning, I've already got a glass of water ready to take and I've got an advantage head start for keeping hydrated in the day. That's my habit that I do every night. And so it gives me a head start and my discipline of keeping hydrated. For reading my words, I like to do it over breakfast. Now, luckily enough, I'm in a season of life where I don't have to make my breakfast and keep it in the social area of the dining room and the kitchen. I can be, uh, I'm living at home with my parents, so I can be unsociable, take it to my room. So that's what I do. I take my food, my breakfast, to my Bible, and that's my habit. If I had to take my Bible to the, breakf- uh, to the dining room, the kitchen, I would get distracted by everything going on and I wouldn't read it. But because my habit is to bring my food to my Bible, I know that I read my Bible every morning and that's my habit that sets me up to win on my discipline, to sharpen my axe. And uh, last example, um, discipline of mine is I wanted to be on my phone less. So to make sure that I did that, I ha- well, it's not a habit as such, but what I put in place so that I could reach that discipline was I changed the settings on my phone so that I don't get notifications to my lock screen. The only notifications I get is texts and phone calls, but any social media, any emails, I have to go onto my phone. So it means that I was on my phone less, that I would only go on my phone when I knew it was an appropriate time and then would catch up on what's going on in the world instead of it always grabbing my attention, distracting me. And so I put disciplines in place and create habits to set myself up for a win. Uh, so what disciplines are you putting in place to sharpen your axe so that you can lead yourself well, so that you can give your best to whatever commitments and responsibilities you have, give your best to your friends and your family. You see, when you start out your time by sharpening your axe, it means no matter what follows, no matter what comes in your day, what, no matter what um, horrible news or no matter what things thrown at you at work, you've already had a good day because you're ready, you're equipped and you're capable. Thank you. Equipped and capable to combat it because you've sharpened your axe, because you've given your best. Just as I close, just know that God wants you to live life to the full. God wants you to be healthy, to be well. He wants you to be productive and effective and fruitful with your life, with whatever you choose to put your hands to, whether that's in the church, whether that's with your friends, your family, and your workplace, academically maybe. 
but he wants you to live life to the full. And by sharpening our axe, by leading ourselves well, we get to do that. And uh, just as we finish up, what we're going to do is the band are going to play. And you can just think to yourself, just pray to yourself, okay, God, what areas of my life need attention? What areas of my life could I work on? Could I lead myself better in so that I can be there for my family better, so that I can be there for my friends better when they go through difficult seasons, so that I can give my best to serving in church or to my workplace. Just like maybe you already know, maybe during this message you've, you've already clicked what it is that you want to, to work on. Maybe just one thing at a time. Maybe you've heard, okay, sleep, that's what I want to work on. Or maybe none of those four things struck with you and you need to pray. Maybe ask, okay, there's something here that I want to, I want to grow in. I want to be there for my family better, but um, God, would you just speak to me? So the band are going to play and um, just pray and let God speak to you if you want to just... Just as we do that, I just want to ask Aaron a few questions. This is not prepared. But um, just to highlight the fact for those of us who know Aaron, and I know not all of you do, that this is not some theory, abstract theory that Aaron has come up with. But I, I believe that God, through his wisdom and his spirit, has helped you to land on this because you've had to learn to fight and to find a place of excellence in your own life. For the benefit of those who are visiting today and those who don't know you so well, Aaron, would you just take a, a minute just to share what are the, the health challenges that you've personally, you know, what's been part of your struggle physical that you've had to, you know, try and learn these things in order to help you come to a place of leading excellently? Well, a huge one is physical. For anyone who knows what it is, I have cystic fibrosis, um, which is a condition that affects a few organs, but mainly my lungs and um, can involve infections, chest infections. So the fact that I've been able to work as a, like a personal trainer and to get to that place, I had to go through battles of um, understanding how to put disciplines in place to lead myself through physio, through exercise, through medication, but most of all through faith, um, how I've grown and excelled in leading myself through like physio and these disciplines and where it's brought me to now. Um, having the opportunity to work in like a, as a personal trainer. I couldn't have done it, first of all, without um, knowing my God and knowing who he's called me to be. And despite the earthly circumstances, what he sees before me and what he sees I'm capable of. And second of all, by putting these things in place, how I've been able to um, be involved with the church, be involved with the youth group. And because I haven't let my health get in the way, but because I've first of all, looked after myself and known my boundaries and known how to look after myself so that when I am able to, I can come here, I can be involved with church, I can be involved with the youth, I can commit to my friends, my family. And I think that's so helpful because each one of us uh, goes through tough seasons, difficult seasons. You know, Aaron firmly believes that God is good, but that's not mean that he's not had challenge in his own life. And it's fair to say, Aaron, I know you, that you've been through some difficult seasons, some challenging seasons, seasons when you've been alone, lying in your bed, ill, and, and uh, you, you know, you've had to learn some of these, these, these habits, and uh, God's been able to train you and to teach you how to, to live and to, to overcome these situations. Your, your, your two brothers, uh, your older brother Callum is going through major health challenges just now with the same, the same issue. And we're praying for his wedding in eight weeks, eight weeks time. 
His first prayer request is that we would all be excited for it. Pray that we continue to be excited for his wedding. Please be praying for Callum and for his health. Aaron, just lastly, last question before we do as you were suggesting. Um, how would you say that you have learned to live and overcome challenges? And what would you say to people to help them live with the challenge of the reality of the situation that we see and yet live above that? I don't know if that makes sense. How, how, what would you suggest to people that are living with difficult circumstances? What, what you have learned? Because you're, I, I believe you are learning to overcome and then you're still faced with the reality of the situation. How, how would you say that you've, I know we've had your message and that was, that was great, but just, in, just lastly, what would you say to people how that you have learned to, to live uh, with that overcoming faith? To be honest, to answer that question, I would jump back to the last message I shared up here um, a couple months ago, and that was about a heavenly perspective. Um, I talked about how through my circumstances, the reality of what I face in front of me, it's everybody around can see it, the doctors can see it, it's, it's easy to see that because that's what the world sees. What's hard to see is what God sees and choosing to raise your perspective to not only seeing through your eyes but through God's perspective. See, we'll see a situation and think despair and doubt, but God sees the same situation and sees hope, he sees freedom because he's conquered it all on the cross, he sees that. So change your perspective to that of the Bible um, and to see it from his perspective you you find that new hope you see that okay despite this I know that God sees this despite that I know that God tells me this through his word through comforting me in worship and in his presence in prayer uh, and the reality of the the circumstances is still there like in my last message I said the wisdom that doctors bring, like they've studied, they have good knowledge and understanding in their degree, in their field of work. The doctors know what they're talking about. They have wisdom, good earthly wisdom. I'm not going to shove that aside and shove faith in their face and say, no, no, what you're saying is not true. There's still wisdom in knowledge and understanding and science of understanding things like sleep, understanding things like um, health issues. There is wisdom there to understand, but when you apply faith to it, you, you don't have to get caught up in that. You don't have to run around in circles in your head trying to figure out what's right, what's wrong. You just give it up to God, knowing that, okay, the reality of the matter is still there and there's wisdom there and the doctors work with wisdom and medication is wisdom that's going to help you. But God, he's bigger than it all and his perspective is bigger than it all. His perspective is full of hope, full of freedom. Let's stand to her feet. Yeah, come on. Well done, Johnny. Well done. Let's stand to her feet. You know, stand to her face, close her eyes. You know, Aaron, there's people just now that have got their own perspective of the situation. Whatever it is you're facing, it may be financial, it may be physical, it may be your health. And that was such, that, you know, the whole message, but Aaron's last message there about getting God's perspective. Wow, that is boom. <laughs> it changes everything, doesn't it? It changes everything. So if you just close your eyes just now, if you have your own perspective of a difficult situation and it's difficult, but you would like to have God's perspective, just put your hand up just now and I'm going to ask Aaron just to help you. Okay, yeah, just as I, as I thought and suspected, a lot of situations, Aaron, that's why your living testimony and story is so powerful because 
Aaron has had to fight for this. He's had to fight for this. This is not just somebody who's learned as someone's passed him a book or a bit of paper. He's had to actually apply the very things that he has been teaching us. So, Aaron, would you pray for that? Let's just have the keys playing. I don't know if you have your young brother. Let's just have the, the keys if, if Alistair's about. If not, let's just have the band playing quietly. If you could pray for that, because you can see hands all over here, Aaron. The battle that you've fighting these people are fighting in different situations and they they need god's perspective and then also the other thing that you're wanting people to pray about what habits etc and then we'll lord i thank you so much that no matter where we go you are here with us you are with us lord i thank you that even when it seems like it from our perspective you have not run away you haven't missed any of the facts you're present through it all. And I just pray right now for everybody in here and for everybody that raised their hand as well, that your blessing is on them in Jesus' name. Lord, we are saved by grace, but it is by your favor and your blessing that we get to continually get to know you more in relationship, day by day, growing. And I just pray that for everyone in here right now, you'd give them the strength to put in place what they need to to press into you daily to feed themselves spiritually daily lord give them that strength to find that daily but on top of that lord for breakthrough for a shift of mindset that we could sharpen our acts physically emotionally spiritually and mentally lord growing in you seeing the facts around us but growing in your perspective. Lord, would you just awaken that new perspective to us today? Would you awaken that new faith in us today as we reach out our hands, as we open our hearts, that we would find that new perspective to see what you see, to love as you love, Lord. In Jesus' name. And thank you, Lord, for everyone here. I pray that as we just think and pray now ourselves, that you would speak to us. Maybe some people already know, maybe some people need to keep pressing in to know how they can lead themselves well, how they can put things in place, disciplines and habits. Disciplines and habits that aren't replacing you, God, but just applying your wisdom, applying your love, applying your knowledge, applying the fact that you want us to live well. And I just pray you'd give us that wisdom, give us that knowledge, speak to us now in Jesus' name of how we can put things in place. Praise be your name. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, George.